Welcome to Practice Freedom. What if you could hang out with owners and founders from all sorts of healthcare private practices, having rich conversations about their successes and their failures, and then take an insight or two to inspire your own growth? Each week on Practice Freedom, we take an in-depth look at how to get the most out of both the clinical side and the business side of the practice, get the most out of your people, and most of all, how to live the healthy life that you deserve. I'm Mark Henderson Leary. I'm a business coach and an entrepreneurial operating system implementer. I have a passion that everyone should feel in control of their life. And so what I do is I help you get control of your business. Part of how I do that is by letting you listen in on these conversations in order to make the biggest impact in your practice and ultimately live your best life. Let's get started. Welcome to Practice Freedom with Mark Henderson Leary. So I just finished the recording with Mark Santa. And I was sort of pondering what takeaways and what little nuggets I'd want to dig deep on. And this is what caught my attention. that We were talking about private equity and the money side of the business. And I, whenever we talk about that, I have, I'm fearful that we're going to sound like we're, you know, mini hospital systems or something that's not meaningful or it's just, it's just empty and hollow. And it invites all the fears of all the bad things that happen with outside investment. But the flip side of that was, understanding the impact that we can make in healthcare practices that come from the entrepreneurial thinking of what are we doing that's great? What are we doing that takes out friction for our patients? What are we doing that enables access to better stuff at reasonable prices? And just great stuff that we can do from an innovative perspective and building a brand and doing fun stuff like giving away fruits and vegetables and or whatever it is that, that we think is cool and fun that makes it a joy for us and for the patients we're caring for. And I just thought, man, we got to dig into that piece because it's not a simple switch just to decide, okay, I'm going to be myself. And you know, we've talked about purpose in all the episodes, even before the reformatting into practice freedom and the sort of the general podcast of, I mean, so many, maybe 80, 60 to 80% of the podcast conversations I had would tie back to purpose in some way, which would then tie back to vision and, or in, inspire vision. And I guess I just want to make sure the message is clear that there's, you know, when I ask somebody, what do you want from the business? And that's my most generic way of saying, you know, what do you want? And what's the vision you're creating? And why does this matter? And it takes months to get to something meaningful in terms of long-term and short-term and mid-term and the outcomes we're trying to create. It's a very complex question to ask, like, you know, who am I? (laughs) You know, we we know that that's that's difficult stuff. So you got to start soon and start answering those questions in short and long-term format. And so I guess that sort of invites the conversation to some extent as some of the work we do in EOS and the entrepreneurial operating system. And just want to invite you to, to check the tools out, things like the VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer. Check out eosworldwide.com for those tools. But the eight questions of vision, what are your core values? What's your core focus, which is, which is made up of your purpose, cause or passion, and your focus, your niche, those two together make the core focus. Your 10-year target, which is your, sort of your Super Bowl win. What are you trying to go with that? Your target market, which you, know, you have an ideal patient. You do. You don't want to take care of them all. And you want to know, Bella, just talk about who they are. Um, and what do you say to them to make sure that they know they're in the right spot and then you're taking care of them? And then three years from now, what are you creating? The three-year picture for the practice, that's your vision. That's what it looks like if you get what you want. And then bringing that down to the ground on the traction portion, you're going to talk about the one-year plan, the three to seven most critical things you're going to do, which 
might not be as inspiring, but might be really important to get you to that inspiring through your picture. And then we break it down to those 90-day rocks. And if you're familiar with EOS, those the 90-day world of those chunks that you're just kind of chunking down those goals and moving towards that future one quarter at a time. And of course, having a great issues list of all the things you're not working on that are broken or, or good opportunities you're not ready to take advantage of yet. So that's a great tool to look at. And you know, I just want to invite you to start thinking. The practice life cycle, we're going to dig into that at some point. Let's just say that there's a birth to death life cycle. Whether you're handing this off to your children or you're going to sell this, there is an end. And so you must acknowledge that. If you're way down that path, that's great. If you're early in the practice, you're not really ready to think too much about that. But practice maturity, it, we, it takes a minute to get there. And I want, nothing, if nothing else, to sort of lead that out that it, you're not going to be able to figure this out over the weekend. You're going to have to start asking the questions and start trying some things, get comfortable with doing some things that feel good to you or feel, but maybe feel vulnerable. Giving away fruits and vegetables, that's going to talk about, I'm going to talk about that constantly because Joe Galati, one of the first guests, it just that's one of his things. He's passionate about people feeling, living healthier lifestyles. And his specialty is, of course, liver disease. And it's just a cool example of somebody just being themselves. And feeling free to do that. But, you know, there's a vulnerability with you saying, here's what we do. You know, we always, whatever, we're always taking care of kids this way. We're always giving toys away. We're always, you know, fruits and vegetables. So the vulnerability of being yourself, you don't have to be generic white coat, whether optometry or your plastic surgery or your orthopedics, whatever it is, you know, that white coat does kind of invite some genericness. And I guess in a lot of these other, in the retail and dentistry, you can choose whatever color you want, right? <laughs> so we're seeing that on all forms of healthcare, but that you can choose different colors of what you want as scrubs, you can get your figs, you can get whatever, but there's the ability you can be yourself is, it's real. And if it doesn't scare you a little bit, then that would be weird. So I want you to start really thinking about where would you be willing to take risks? Can we layer on some more and more of our true selves? Can we lean into providing unique value? Can we get inspired that, you know what, we do this in a pretty cool way. We have some people here who believe what we believe and we're building a really nice culture here. Or we have the beginnings of a great culture and we're struggling to get the culture where it needs to be. I feel like if we got this right... It would be powerful. That's, that should be a signal to you that there's some work to be done and it's worth pursuing. And maybe that's the essence of this. It's, if it's worth pursuing. And so the practice maturity, I guess there's probably two parallel paths for you to be thinking about. One is asking, giving yourself permission and taking the time to ask the questions. You know, what would I get if I got what I wanted? What would the culture be like? What would we really be doing at the highest impact? What are we going to create three years from now? That's amazing. And fleshing out the vision and writing down that vision, beginning the process of iterating and writing it down and scratching it out and having that shitty first draft. And that's not working. And that's not at all. That's horrible. That's, and, and starting over. But getting to the point where you're like, this would be amazing. This would be really worth doing. And then the maturity side of that is, you know, we're making great progress. You know, we're almost there. Or we are not anywhere near there. And we need to execute way better. We really got to unpack the people issues. We got to hire way better. We got to manage way better. We got to be way more profitable. We got to market way better. We got to develop process way better. We got to be more consistent. We got to scale better. We got to work less. We got to make this easier. Those are all natural and normal things that we're going to unpack in the podcast. And EOS can help with that. And so both of those paths, I really want to inspire you to dig into. 
that was the essence of this. I'm glad I sort of unpacked that for you. I thought out loud. Those are the two paths, getting clear on the vision and then a sort of assessing where you are on the journey. And you can be helped. <laughs> you can do this no matter where you are in either of those. My experience is you can be quite mature in the process and be a little uninspired. That can happen. And so if you've got the horsepower, you've got a, a profitable, healthy practice, and you know it's kind of generic, and you're feeling a little unfulfilled, well, cool. I want to know that. Reach out. Let me know because I want you to, I want to hear what your story is on that, but I want you to feel really empowered that, man, you got a gift. You've got a healthy business, a healthy practice, a way to do something. And we know, we know that the world of healthcare is really starved for improvement, better patient customer care. And a lot of people have opinions on that. Is it better to call them patients, better to call them customers, call them clients? And I, whatever term humanizes them the most is what I'm recommending you do because we really want to level up and provide current day experiences that people enjoy, that people understand. It's low friction, it's high value, improves lives, and we absolutely can do that. So if you've got the organization that's got the capacity to execute, that's a gift. Do not underestimate how powerful and what a blessing that is. Use your ability to elevate your time, give yourself some white space, delegate a few things that other people can do and start asking yourself, what would we do if we could do anything we wanted? If we could really make a difference, what would that difference be? Because I'll tell you what, you can make that difference. Now it might not happen overnight. We know we can do a lot less in it in one year than we typically think we can. We get to the end of the year, like, wow, we barely scratched the surface. But we also know that we can do way more in 10 years than we think we can. We can absolutely transform. We can write a book. We can scale a company. We can sell a company and make maddeningly little progress, it feels, in one year to get there. But when we do the right things, we create the opportunity for exponential growth because we move those, those big obstacles out of the way that take longer than we think to do. So empower yourself to make a very big difference that begins with the thinking, much less with the doing. Now let's flip that around though. Say you have an inspiration, you are fired up, you've got that entrepreneurial blood running through your veins and you know you can make a difference. I will caution you in the maturity cycle, the odds of you having it documented and clear and communicatable to the degree you think you do, pretty low. <laughs> the odds are very high if you're normal that if you think that, you've, that you could clarify exactly the world that you're trying to create and you try to sit down with somebody and give them the 30-second elevator pitch, you'd probably kind of run out of steam around 30 minutes <laughs> and kind of have left the audience a little confused. So using tools like the VTO to kind of force you to structure your thinking, I very much recommend you do that. But at least just try to document it. You know, can you write it down in a summary? Can you, can you give the 30-second commercial? Could you explain it to your grandmother or my grandmother, whether what that looks like? You know, probably not. But if you can, that's great. So let's keep doing that work and flesh it out and move to the maturity side because you can do it. You can get great people. That's the number one frustration right now. It's scarce resources, hiring is difficult. And there's obstacles to that. The two biggest obstacles you likely have if you're in the low maturity side of things. And I don't want you feeling bad about low maturity. Like I want to help low maturity companies. There's lots we can do there. And there's low-hanging fruit that can make a big impact right away. So if you're self-assessing as low maturity, that just means there's great opportunity to do something powerful. So don't take that as some, any kind of harsh criticism. So if you're low maturity in that, it, the two things working against you, of course, the perception and reality that high-quality talent is getting more expensive, harder to find, 
and it feels like you can't grow the practice or the business because they just can't get them fast enough. That's real, but it's not unovercomable. The other obstacle that's working against you is you have a random culture and random inconsistencies in your existing team. And so hiring great talent, not hiring is not the word, attracting great talent to your known culture, really tricky. Because <laughs> it's like, you're awesome. You should come work over here where we kind of suck. <laughs> That's, I've been there. I have absolutely been there. And I work with a lot of clients who are trying to move out of that. And it's, I'll tell you what, that's absolutely back to the 10 years high impact, one year maddeningly slow. We just got to eat that elephant one bite at a time. There's only four things we can do in a tight resource situation. And the first thing is retain better. Take those best people, even strategically targeted retention. You got 50 people in the organization and you can't figure out how to flip the culture around, but there's four people you just got to have. Just have conversations with them and make sure you understand where they're at and do your best to really keep those really, really good cultural pillars around because you're going to need them to build on that core. And you will need to iteratively take the toxic people out of the organization one at a time and build onto that core. And it's fraught, right? So you're going to get some great people and you're not going to, be able to keep them all and it's going to feel very defeating. But I assure you that with consistency and commitment, you can build it up to get that core that kind of snowballs into building that culture. So that's the first thing. We got to retain those great people. It's too expensive to replace great people. So really double down on that. The second thing is, of course, hire better. Lots down in that well, we got to hire better, faster. It's harder if we don't have the money, if we don't have a healthy PL, if we don't have the ability to pay those people. So there's a lot of obstacles and that can be a slow process. We got to learn to recruit more and better. Oftentimes we're having to put somebody in charge of recruiting that we didn't normally didn't historically have to put that much horsepower behind. I see a lot of organizations diverting their marketing resources to recruiting partially or in certain cases entirely because they're so good at getting the word out and getting people interested in the organization. So that's a strategy to do. But then that turns into, we've got a lot of reps, right? We're going to have to have a lot of at-bats. We're going we're gonna to get five new people. We're going to have to talk to 50 people before we can get some really good five people. And three of those people will stay because two of them were mishires. We thought they were great. They're not. And one of them just can handle the state of our culture. That's just normal. But the third thing we can do is increase our efficiency through process. Now, occasionally we can process optimized as to make transformative improvements in efficiency, but most of the time we're just increasing quality, which that's high value, right? So we can increase efficiency, get you know, 10, 20, 30% time back in some cases. Sometimes in rare cases, you just find something so hemorrhaging inefficiency that we can make a big change. But most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time through process, we're at least able to improve our quality, which decreases our rework and increases our overall efficiency of the business, but doesn't necessarily increase tremendous amounts of throughput through the organization. But it's high value when we have the right, especially when we have the right people in the organization. And then the fourth thing we can do in tight resources and tight human resources situations is say no. And that is the hard one. It is the exponential one though. It is the one that you can do the most with. It is the hardest one to do. And by saying no, I mean, we can take less patience. We can do less business. We can do it at a different price. Some version of no, which is to say not yes. Sure, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that tomorrow. Yeah, we can do that later today at that price. We really have to leverage that. No, we cannot take any more. We need to scale the practice back. We are going to do less of these at a different price, at a different time frame, under different circumstances, with less variables on our terms, not on your terms. 
These are the only dates we can work with. No, we will not do it in your surgery center. We will only do it in ours. Whatever we need to do to say no to eliminate those things that push us beyond our capacity, because when we go beyond capacity, bad things happen, really bad things happen to brand, reputation, burnout, all things go with that. So that was a bit of an aside on the people side and people constraint around maturity. I guess I, I brought that into play because that's just the number one thing that people are dealing with when they're in the low maturity side. But so all that to say, having that passion, having that vision of where we're going, it takes some time, make it important, get it documented because that's how you get clear on it. That's how you understand it. That's how you can communicate it to other people and do something with it. And then understanding where you're at in the maturity cycle. If you've got that high maturity business, great, plug the vision into it. If the business is less mature, work through the cycle. Use things like EOS and other tools or any kind of system to run the business efficiently and really start working on the number. Right now, I don't know how long we'll be in a situation. And at this podcast, if we listen to this in five years, of people will be so common and easy to find. I suspect not though, because I've never been in a time when the right people weren't somehow feeling challenging. So whatever we're doing to get the right people now will be just as applicable. But understanding those four levers, if we're resource constrained uh, on people, we can only do those four things. We can only retain better, keep our best people. We can only recruit better. We can increase efficiency through process. And then we can say no to things that exceed our capacity to create damage for brand and for people. So I hope that's helpful. I hope that gives you some sense of the business side or the vision and passion side, which then could lead into the other part of that conversation I had with Mark Santa, which was, you know, get some resources, get some money, private equity or anywhere else, or just being more profitable. We can talk all of all sorts of ways to get more horsepower to put that vision on the road and make a big impact. Anyway, that's our time for today. That's my topic for today. I hope that's helpful. Give us feedback, share with your friends. If you love it, if you hate it, I want to hear both. We'll see you next time on Practice Freedom with me, Mark Henderson Larry.